We're good to go. Hello. Uh, book club. We're back uh, uh, for another week. Thought we'd and bring some, some spirit into the occasion. Yes, bringing the spirit into the occasion. Michael and I have cocktails, courtesy, I'm on this camera here, courtesy of Dirty Martini, who have given them to us free. I do believe that this could like make us like sponsored YouTubers, couldn't it, Pricey? <laughs> you know, next stop. I we'll... wouldn't pick me to advertise a cocktail bar. <laughs> next stop. Uh, we'll we'll have sponsorship from Canon cameras like Casey Neistat. Do you not reckon Marks and Spencers will design us a suit like they did for the English football team? <laughs> so these are passion fruit martinis, courtesy of Dirty Martini, who are in the front. Thank you, Dirty Martini. That's as big a plug as you're getting. I'll taste your martini first. I've got to be honest. It, it tastes like one of the ones out the packet from the co-op. Mate, that tastes like the sort of juice I used to give to my child. When she Do you not little. give that to Isabel anymore? Which probably, she probably drinks that. She's 16, she goes out and gets her own <laughs> passion fruit martinis. Okay, so last week we were talking about the effective executive by Peter Drucker, and thank God we have moved on from it. We are on Objections by Jeb Blount. Blount, Blunt, Blount. I'm going for Blount. I'm going for Blunt. Are you? Yeah. Right, well, it's Objections by Jeb Blunt, um, who is. Uh, Actually, quite a favourite sales writer of mine. He wrote a book called Fanatical Prospecting, which I really, really, really loved. Um, and we were under a bit of pressure to choose a book. And I went onto Amazon and I saw this was on the bestsellers list and we kind of just went for it. So without any further ado, Lauren Q Titles. And the titles are over and we're back. Good. This is live TV at its absolute best. So the, the book starts with a foreword from Mark Hunter, who is actually the writer of a book called High Profit Prospecting, which I've got in my Audible uh, list for at some point listening to in the gym. Never heard um, of it. And I, I, maybe I'm just happier with a sales book than I am with maybe some of this sort of Peter Druckery style stuff. Um, and he, he, the first bit that I really liked, he said, in sales, context matters and there is little black and white. Every prospect, sales, conversation, territory, company and product are different. There is one exception, though. Objections. As a sales professional, you face objections and the potential for objections no matter your unique situation. And the context of that is he talks about uh, selling software requires a different skill set, selling office automation equipment to selling real estate, to selling insurance, to selling financial services. Well, I mean, he could have extended the conversation to say, you face objections in every walk of life. Yeah, there's objections, yeah. You know, I'm going out for, for a bit of tea tonight. The objection I'm going to get from my wife is, I don't really want to stop for a drink before we get there, Mike. And then you're going to that's get the an objection, objection from me about, are you really going to eat octopus pricey? Well, that's my point. They're all objections. And that's yeah. why I think he's absolutely right. Yeah, so I thought that was really, I thought that was really great. And then he, 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 there's a, the, just at the back end of the forward, there's something I picked up on here. Today's buyer is more sophisticated and informed, tell, Mark Hunter tells us. In objections, you'll learn a new psychology for getting past no. Rather than the same tired, cheesy, old-school scripts, you'll learn contextual frameworks and strategies for responding to objections in the real world. I, I get the plug in the book, but I think there's a time and a place for a script sometimes. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I, I, I like the Wolf of Wall Street book that we read that was full of scripts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not... 
what I don't want is a world full of autonomous, automated salespeople reciting scripts. But sometimes there are certain things you say to customers that just hit the bloody button. I agree. Why would you not then reuse them over and over? So uh, that's probably going to become a thread of... Uh, and then we get into the introduction where he tells us all about how he wasn't planning on uh, writing the book. Um, and what he, Didn't what, you like his first point? Writing books is the closest men ever come to childbearing. Uh, who wrote, that's a Norman <laughs> Mailer quote. I know about that, that's a good quote. Yeah. Oh, it made me laugh. I've, I've, read, I've, I've read it to my wife. Have you ever read any Norman Mailer? I've never heard of him. He's a great writer. He wrote a book you'll really enjoy called The Fight, which was about the rumble in the jungle. He was a journalist. I probably wouldn't like it. Very good bit of sports writing. Probably very wouldn't like it. Um, and he also wrote a war book called The Naked and the Dead that was very good. <laughs> I'd like that either. Come on, let's get anyway, into this first chapter. Um, he says, almost all the questions thrown at me that... So what he was talking about in, in the introduction, he was talking about um, how he was doing this talk to some young salespeople and saying that all they kept asking about was how do you get over this and how do you get over that? And he realised actually that the, that the world of sales texts was missing a good honest book. Well, he says in his thing, doesn't it, there's normally one chapter loosely... Yes, uh, describing it subtly alluding to it, and also I I think I think that we've reached an odd point in the history of selling itself, and what I mean by that is I think that if you look in the context of a lot of the people we deal with, the concept of being good at objection handling is well, almost not cool anymore. Is almost not cool and almost a little bit dirty and a little yes, bit well, beneath a lot of the people, people we work buy with. Our products because we have qualified our prospects so well Jonathan yeah and, and later on I think as we get on to maybe some of the later chapters I made a note about actually how selling has never been easier particularly in software well we'll come on to that okay um so then he starts off chapter one thoughts pricey on the opening chapter you know he's he's, he's well his opening statement is go for no it was a quote from a lady called Andrea Waltz I mean he could have quoted it from about a billion different people but his point is, and I do completely agree with it, is, is just if, when you go for a close, you will then find out what the objection is. Ask. Ah. Oh. Have you noticed he doesn't say the word close? I didn't actually. I just assumed that he said the word close. He said ask. Asking is the most important discipline in sales, but he doesn't use the word closing. But I, did, actually, I, didn't make, I, didn't, I didn't make a note of that, yeah, actually. You're been, absolutely I right. I think he's been very careful. Because I again, read, I don't read books in that way, though. Actually, I just look for the general sentiment of it. Really, I think again that there is a. He, he's been very careful to manage his audience, a little bit with asking. Well, who what, do you think his audience is? The audience is salespeople, and we're in a period of selling history, where selling is dirty. Going ah, back to some of the, well, yeah, going back to some of the conversations we had around the Sandler book about how Sandler a lot of that is written I think he's being very Sandlery here I don't think it's a period of history I think that's just sometimes you know people have that view don't they yes my dad has that view and he's got a son who's a salesman yes as the you know my folks are gutted I'm not a lawyer um, or a doctor or a something but you know you can't the first, so but, what I think of the first chapter you can't disagree you could have underlined every line Yes. He's right in everything he says. Yeah, and, and the reality is this is going to be a big... I think the next four weeks is going to be a big love-in for Jeb Blount's book on objections. Yeah, I mean, um, I've underlined all sorts. When you fail to ask, you fail. Yeah. You know, he's absolutely right. 
in sales, asking is everything. If you fail to ask, I... you'll end up carrying a box full of stuff from your desk to your car on the way to the unemployment line. Well, it's re really interesting. Yesterday, I took some feedback off a client and the, 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 the context was that this particular role is a senior level customer success role that carries a target and the client was slightly nervous and actually we've assuaged him of the nervousness subsequently the client was slightly did you overcome the objection a candidate overcame the objection actually um the client was slightly nervous about the fact he said he actually asked the candidate what are you like at asking he actually used that line what are you Good. like at asking asking for what asking for money what are you like at asking for money what did he say and the candidate actually in the interview didn't do a brilliant job of answering the question but then subsequently did thereafter but what was really interesting was that that's such a big concern for the client in that context i wonder where the client why what drew the client to ask it of that candidate well there's partially that which is what happened in the course of that meeting that what happened wondering. that made him ask that about that candidate yep and also i think partially the nature of that role lends itself to being to asking because customer success is a much more prevalent role now than it used to be. Oh. We've sort of got three layers. Customer success, account, then account management, then, then new business. business. Yes. And we're seeing much more customer success. And there are two layers of customer success roles. There is pure, 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 pure customer success. where well, It's a, de a delivery role more than it is a sales role. Which is role. almost delivery. Mm. Then there is customer success where actually you're expected to bring some numbers on board and... And then there is account management, which in reality is selling to existing accounts yes. and then net new biz. Yeah, yeah. So, so the world is changing, isn't it? Um, and I like the fact he calls about it, he calls it the discipline to ask. And it is a discipline, isn't it? Yes. Well, he goes on to it in, in the next chapter, doesn't he, about why people do and why toughness. people don't. It's a mental toughness. And he says a lot of it is because people are afraid to hear the word no. Which now, is true. I'm, uh, he's put here, the fear and avoidance of the emotional pain caused by rejection is why most people seek the out i don't 100 percent agree with why people don't close well why else don't they close i think a lot of it is because of social norms i think there's a social norm that and and that's and i'm splitting that at both a societal norm in general and also a norm that is taking place in the selling landscape where it's almost not the done thing to be a closer I like the fact you're waiting to put in a voice on it, but I know what you mean. I 100% know what you mean. Did yep, I put so a voice on it with... Not the done thing. But it's not. And I... I, I well, but it fact, is by the, the most The fact that successful... I subconsciously put a, vo a voice on it tells you how I feel about but, it. But it is by the, be the, the better salespeople that we meet, they close people. Yeah, they do. They close, they qualify, they close, they qualify. I mean, I've got an offer for a guy this week, and if you're watching this, you'll know who you are. I mean, to say he qualified and closed me... He actually closed me to say, I hope you're watching. He said, Mike, if I'm one of the two candidates in the frame, are you going to, and the, and the client is split decision, are you going to vote for me? <laughs> yeah, but he asked. Yes. Because he wanted to know. Yes. I, lo I love that. He I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't, and I told him I wouldn't, but he, cl but he closes every point. Yeah. And then, so we get towards the end of the chapter here. Uh, there are no perfect scripts that will turn no into yes every time. Um, well, you know, he, he talks, he makes a great point about golf, isn't he? 
There isn't a perfect putter that will take 20 shots off your game. There's no, yeah, easy, button. There's no easy button that will close a deal. There's no magic fairy dust that takes a sting out of rejection. There are no silver bullet words that will slay objections and stun prospects into submission. Well, sometimes there are. Well, do you know, I wrote next to it, why do all the putters look the same? Yeah, because actually there's a... Standard, because there's a set format there's that a, works. Yes, there is a standard design of a putter... That works. That works. And you're either on an Odyssey, the big head thing, or you're on a... I'm, I use... I have, I have quite a little-headed putter, because that works. And the Pink Answer is the most classic putter in, on Earth. Well, I've, and, I've got one, it's little-headed putter. And people are still replicating the Pink Answer. Yeah. Odyssey, replicate the Pink Answer. They all replicate Why? the Why? Because answer. it's all a variation on what, in reality, is a theme that works. And I think the point is, yeah, okay, you can't get a putter that takes 20 strokes off your game, but actually there are well, there's some, some that standard better than putter designs, metaphorically, that are there or thereabouts. And, yeah, okay, a lot of that depends on how well you He's strike the ball and how well you can... But I've got to say, I, th I thought that this and the, the other chapters that I've read, actually, because I've read more than this, they're leading us up to a point of a crescendo that is going to unleash his strategy that I'm then waiting for. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's, he's sowing the seed of it, isn't he? And then we're into chapter two. We are. Um, and again, you know what? I, 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 I could have underlined pretty much every line because he's right all the time. I liked his little circular diagram. Ask with confidence and assume you'll get what you want. Shut up. Do not be intimidated by silence. And be prepared to deal with negotiations and, uh, and negotiate. I Shut up and close. I thought it was interesting. I bought, I bought a car within the last six months. And the guy that, that uh, and it's, it's, an, it's a brand new car, but this particular car is coming to the end of its life and they're re releasing a new one. And I knew this guy wanted to get rid of it. So obviously I've walked in the garage and I've looked at the board and thought, ah, you're the lowest on numbers. So I've walked in and said, <laughs> I'm here to, to meet Richard. And the lady on reception said, all right, fine, you've got to go Richard. She said, uh, and I said to Richard, I said, do you remember speaking to me on the phone? He went, no. I went, ah. Maybe it wasn't you. Listen, I'm after buying such and such. Can you help me? He went, yeah, of course I can. I thought, right, I got you now. And uh, so he came up with his first price of, of X amount. And um, I just didn't say anything. And my wife's next to me. I knew she was just cringing. But she knows the deal. She knows the deal. Shut up. And then he went, and, it, and we only, we we're only quiet for about 10 seconds. And then he went, but I can go and see if you want to get a better price. And I didn't say anything, no. Your silence just nailed him. Nailed him. But I'll tell yeah. you what, if he was quiet, he'd have closed me. He didn't. Funny, he I've, I've, done a silent close, I've done a silent close on a client this morning. And it went on for a long... <laughs> but, you know, but his, his, his sort of uh, framework that he puts there, he's absolutely right. And, and the only bit that I was getting into this book and I was thinking to myself... That I wasn't so positive about was is that he was just saying the blindingly obvious. I thought stuff we know, yeah. Um, th and there's a couple of bits I liked early on in chapter two. So uh, I've tracked thousands of sales interactions. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to underline emotional contagion? A couple of bits. I like this quote that he gives of, of, from Jeffrey Gittimer: "The assumptive position is the strongest selling strategy in the world." I couldn't agree more. People, I, I made a note here. Often, uh, uh, in years gone by, I've often said that customers are like dogs and they smell fear. Yes, 100%. Customers smell fear. It's not just customers, it's everybody, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's a little bit like when you're a single lad, isn't oh, it? Oh, I was going to use the same crude Girl, metaphor. Girls smell single. Yes. Sing, they smell single and desperate, don't they? Yeah, a million a miles mile off. off when I was and, me, and men smell it, single women, you know. It's, yeah, 
but but customers smell customers can smell a salesman that's not sold anything they can smell fear they smell need they do yeah it's it's a sub and it all happens deep in the subconscious of a customer doesn't matter whether you're selling recruitment services whether you're selling software whether you're selling cameras customers just know it they do yeah 100% and they also sense certainty and I think that is so important that certainty and unfortunately it's hard to fake oh it took the words out of mouth so you've got a salesperson because we see it a lot right where you'll see somebody with a stellar track record they make one mistake they've made two mistakes before they know it, they've made three damage the cv yes and and sometimes what i say to the candidates we talk about the interview they're going to go to and i say listen when you left that company that you'd been for 15 years you go and have guy. go and have an interview like you've just left there you were a top and they guy. say what do you mean and i say because right now you've had three bad moves you look and sound desperate yeah. I know you don't want me to tell you that, but that's the truth. You're acting like a fellow who's not sold anything. You're acting like a fella who's had three jobs in yeah. quick succession. I couldn't agree more. And, and you've got to take them back to that point. So the same is true. I, I, there was a guy called Louis Van Oosterhuizen who won uh, the Open Championship at, at, at St Andrews. And they interviewed him afterwards and they said, what did you put your calmness down to? And he had anchored himself with a, uh, doing something with his hand before he drove off. And you wonder about these salespeople that have struggled, lost their certainty, if a psychologist could take them back to a previous point, anchor them, give them their certainty, and then they'd be better. Agreed. I wonder if there's a psychologist that could sell that. Probably. Well, there's loads, but people don't buy it. They think it's mumbo-jumbo. Uh, the, the, the reality is, uh, Tony Robbins always said a great thing about confidence um, and certain elements of what you build in your psyche. It, it, there's an inner, I always call it a, like a gobstopper. Yes, I know you use that a lot, yeah. yeah gobstopper yeah. of confidence. And every time something goes right for you, it becomes, that's why I'm always fond when I'm working perhaps with a new consultant or a new account handler in the business. I always make them write their achievements out every day. They never do it. And they never do it. But actually writing just a little achievement every day. Oh, right, I closed that client. I, I handled that objection really well. That creates the gobstopper layers of confidence. And over 15, 10, 20 years... That becomes a pretty thick gobstopper. Well, it's unbreakable, and it's isn't that it? gobstopper of confidence that is that certainty. Yes. Or a rope. It's like a rope with different strands, isn't it? Well, this guy then goes on to talk about. He's got this table here, hasn't he? Of non-verbal communication. Yeah. Da -da -da -da. And, he, and he talks about here. When you sound and look afraid, give off an insecure vibe. You transfer that fear to your prospect and create resistance where it didn't previously exist. In a weird paradox, a more passive approach out of concern that being too pushy will turn your stakeholders off, will cause them to become even more resistant to your request and generate objections. Bang on. Easy in our market. Bear in mind, we only sell to salespeople. But bang on. You, you, I, I think that whole nervousness about being pushy, I don't want to be too pushy, actually creates more objections. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you and him. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, Ultra-high sales performers believe they're going to win and are supposed to win. They exude confidence. This confidence transfers to stakeholders, compelling them to comply. Well, they, well, they, they create this, why wouldn't you buy what I'm selling you? It's belief. It's total belief, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Total certainty. Mm. Uh, that certainty is huge. Um, and, it, and, then, and then, go on, you were going to tell me well, about... Well, he talks about the physiological side of it, doesn't he? Yes. So, I mean, you can read them all out. They're obviously all right. They're obviously all correct, I should say. You know, uh, demonstrates lack of confidence and insecurity. Speaking with, speaking with a high-pitched voice. Speaking fast. Tense or defensive tone of voice. 
so on and so on and so forth. But what's very interesting is, you know, I've done this job so long now, I meet a, can I meet a candidate and I can just immediately tell how well they're doing. In general? Just bang like that. Yeah, me too. Straight away. Well, it's subcut because you... you when you've met thousands of them, but, but so can the clients. So the it's point, a Malcolm Gladwell thin slice. Yeah, it is. You say that, but clients often can't because they're not remembering meeting as many as us. No, what I mean is the um, the people, the the salespeople whom we place, their clients can see it of them as salespeople. Yes. So if I look at this guy and go, "Yeah, you're struggling." The buyers that they sell to must look at this guy and go, yeah, you're struggling. Yes. Now, I wonder, you know, he's got his big table of stuff here. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because it happens in teams. It happens in life. You look at a football team. Well, look at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Look at the Ryder Cup. They looked beat. They, they did look beat. The Americans looked beat they on looked, the Saturday. They looked they beat. They looked beat at Saturday. Peter Alice, who does my head in, he said, they looked beat. And he was right. Grumpy and... And Tiger Woods stern walking face, around sulkily. Sulking, sulking. And I really felt for there was one American. It was the American. That's the difference, though, isn't it? And bantering with the fans. Yeah, and Pult, uh, you know, Rory's. Uh, uh, Pultz has hit a terrible drive. Pultz has stood there going, What's wrong with you? It's in a bloody great place. Come on, I've teed it up for yeah, you, Rory. Yeah. But the Americans weren't doing that. But anyway, what I was going no. to get to about this table is, is the sales books are about learning. And if you were to take that table and you're a salesperson who's bought this book, the question is, okay. well, the question isn't whether it's any good or not. The question is, is how do you really internalize and do that? Because it's one thing reading it, but it's another thing acting upon it's it. Practice, Mike. Practice and determination and discipline. All right, Johnny. So let's say this is you, right? So let's say we're taking his nonverbal communication. This is you. you, you're sat at home in your home office, you work for an American software company, yep. the only person you've got to talk to in the UK is a techie, best one in the world they don't get selling, you're not selling anything, you look at this book and you go, right, what am I doing wrong? I'm hunched over, head down, arms crossed. <laughs> I'm shifting back and forth on your feet, rocking on your body. Stiff posture, tense body, jaw clenched, tense look on face. And, and I tell you now, this is going to be my problem with this book thus far is, is actually internalising it and acting upon it, I think it's going to be very difficult because it requires so much introspection. Oh, and it also requires the procurement of some of Sales Gravy's training. Well, there is that. And, but, and, but, and, and that's a common thread we're getting out of pretty much every sales book we've read thus far. Other, other than the Wolf of Wall Street's book? No. Less so. You could he, have picked he up gives, the Wolf of Wall Street. He gave a bit more away. You could actually have... But what I'm finding most of these books are... But a lot of the... These are great, and this is great, but actually... It's a big, long selling pitch. There's a lot of integration in here. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not... I don't want to, for one minute, suggest he's wrong. Because no. he's 100% right. And at some point, the onus, Michael, is on a salesperson to integrate some learning. It really makes my... It's, it is, but... Blood boil. I was going to say something else then that wasn't fit for human... For public consumption. It really makes my blood boil when salespeople go on training and then you say i've been on that training but if you we all know there's huge attrition post training and a lot of people go on a training they go on i don't know solution selling or miller hyman or whatever and then they come back and yeah, yeah yeah i've been on the training but actually what effort have you personally made of your own accord to truly integrate it into your daily work and actually a lot of people don't so 
actually, I think a lot of that, I mean, some of it's frankly bollocks. Um, if, for example, weak, limp, sweaty palm handshake, firm, confident handshake delivered while making direct eye contact. Yeah, he's talking about being cheesy. That's cheesy. It's some funny what the handshake, because see what happens, because I'm not very big, so I'm 5'8". Yeah. A lot of the salespeople are a lot bigger than me. Yeah. Salespeople, I don't know what it is, they just generally tend to be fairly tall. It's the whole alpha male yeah. sort of thing. And I find a lot of salespeople really try and rag my hand about and shake it. And I just sort of go with it. I just think, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, you know, on the, front, on, the comfort, com, on the whole concept of handshake, if you ever watch Donald Trump shake people's hands, he, no. he goes for this power-dominant handshake with his hand above your hand. A lot of the sales guys do that to me, and, I think, and they do it to me on purpose. And I think to myself, do you now think that you're in control because you've turned my hand over? Yeah. I mean, if you do, fine. But you're not. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> but you're not. Yeah. But, but I, I know what you mean, a lot of it's old-fashioned. That, that's, that's, you know, we talk about being cheesy. There's, there's a lot more to the game than that. Um, and then some of it's great, you know. I'm I'm a massive fan of removing the word just from a sales vocabulary. I try my hardest I'm to do just it, just in, and but. Yeah, as opposed to the reason for my call. I was taught that when I was 23, and it's absolutely bang on. Um, and the other thing that, you know, with recruitment consultants, it's a pet peeve of mine, always has been. What, when can you do for an interview? As opposed to, I'm going to be visiting a client not far from your office on Monday. I can pick you up for lunch and actually being much more directive with getting clients. Yeah, but I don't like that sentence, actually, because that's obviously a lie. Yes, but I'm a big fan of... I'm a big fan of, I'd li I think I can help you with this. I'd like to come and see you. Yes, and I can do Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, but, and as I said earlier on about the book, there's a lot of assumption and a lot of cult enculturation in the sales world that throwing out an alternate close to, clo to get an appointment is wrong. Yes, I do agree with that. Done it's not wrong with our clients, though, because our clients are quite fond of it, actually. But it's not wrong with anybody's customer. It's not wrong. I mean, I agree with you. It's tried and tested, and it works. And it's not manipulative. It's just the basics of salesmanship. Oh, it's better for you Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday, morning or afternoon. Afternoon, one or two. Two o'clock. Right, I'll be there at two o'clock. That's just that's salesmanship. But I do it agree seems to have gone out of fashion. Um, and then the whole conversation you and I have talked before about silence yes shut up I mean shut it's up. an absolute yeah absolutely couldn't agree more couldn't agree more just shut up I reckon if you took a room full of salespeople and you just spent a day teaching them to shut up they'd all well what did they teach you at the Samaritans shut up shut up shut up Michael you are talking too much shut up just shut up and reflect back yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think I reckon if you took ten salesmen, you spent a day teaching them when to shut up and stay shut up. A year later, if you can integrate the learning with them, I reckon they'd all come back and go, "I'm selling more." Yes, I agree completely, completely. Um, and then that takes us to the end of the chapter, really. So, fortunately, this is much. E I've got to say. There's two things that have been a bit of a revelation for me about this book. One is I now have new reading glasses. <laughs> uh, and I've discovered, quite amusingly, <laughs> that I've, I've been like thinking of going to the doctors in the last about four or five months, thinking my concentration span's not right. I just can't sit and read a book like I used to be able to. I'm, I'm this is much easier to read. So, A, this is my I don't know when it was read, written, but... But, B, I can actually now see the text, which has made it even easier. Um, so, 
Uh, it's much easier to read, and also it's a topic. So the subject matter is much more enticing to you and I. It is. I've got to tell you, the first two chapters, I, th I sort of thought, yeah, right, great. Yeah, we've not learnt much, have we? No. But I think we might, actually. We'll see. Yes, I think we might. So that's us uh, again this week. I'm on holiday next week, so next week's will be a recorded version. Uh, and then we will be back live again uh, next week. So next week we're going to do chapters three and four. I've got to, got to say, if you're out there, read this with us. This is all right, this. I agree, yes. I think it's a good book. I, I know. Thus I'm going to get... Do you know when I got out of some when I got out of reading Sandler, um, I I actually took a couple of things away from it, a couple of takeaways that have been really really handy, and I know I'm going to get two or three or four great takeaways that I'm going to integrate into my own game with this. I just know I am. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fond of it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, much more enthused, much more excited. So uh, see you all next week. Goodbye. <laughs>